The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 214 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own, that that I'm a president or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence or privilege to as a result of my current employment. I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Well, folks, listen, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, you know, our, our community and the cybersecurity community, man, we, they're burning out, right? People are tired. And, you know, and as leaders, we talk a lot about people being our number one operating priority. You know, the burnout's real, the workforce is tired, the pressure's high, they have to be right 100% of the time, while attackers just need to be right once, right? There's this expectation that they are superheroes, let's be honest, right? We're, we're, we're hoping they're all flying around with capes on, you know, stopping every crime, you know, <laughs> in progress, right? But at the end of the day, right, we've got to find a way to help empower them. Right. At TF7, we're always in search of disruptive technologies, especially ones that focus on the practitioner. We're bringing on Strike Ready to chat again tonight because uh, it's, it's designed for cyber defenders, which is why I'm excited to have back on the show the chief product officer of Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. Anurag is a successful entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, currently heads product management at Strike Ready. In the past, he's ran product marketing for data science and machine learning division at Splunk. 2015, Splunk acquired his prior startup where he helped define a new cybersecurity market category called User Behavioral Analytics, UBA. Back in 2013, Mr. Gertu headed technical marketing competitive intelligence at FireEye while it was still a private company. Before FireEye, Anurag spent time at Cisco where he was instrumental in creating and launching multiple product categories that span from virtualization to cybersecurity. Mr. Gertu's first two startups were acquired by Tripwire and Oracle respectively. He's graduated with an MS degree in computer networks from the University of Southern California and holds numerous cybersecurity certifications, including CISSP and CCNP security. It's my pleasure to introduce Chief Product Officer at Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, brother. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Thanks for joining me, having you back. Yeah, man. I'm loving having you back, bro. It's been a while. You've been killing it. You guys are out there killing it right now. I can't even keep track. I think it's like over 20 awards. I think you guys got every time I turn on LinkedIn, I get a notification that Strike Ready is getting some new hardware. That's true. Yeah, we have, nobody's counting, but I think it's 21 now. Uh, yeah, Kara is, Kara is creating a, a new buzz, new wave, disruptive, transformative technology. So it's just being about back to back. Yeah, man, it's super cool. I love it. You know, and uh, I really have appreciated the approach you guys have taken. You know, it's like a human first approach, um, you know, focus on supporting the defender. T tell us a little bit about Kara and why, you know, it's been so, you know, successful. I think it's, I, I think it's very different uh, technology that's introduced to the market. Um, as you know, right, we started Strike Ready about three years ago. And at that time, uh, we had a decision to make. Uh, our team had a combined, I think, over 25 patents and detection that they had, that they had acquired 
during the far right days. And we had, a, we had to make a decision, tough decision, whether we become the next next generation detection prevention company or we do completely something different. And we decided to go the human first, defender first approach and said, well, you know what, there's the biggest problem in cyber. One of the biggest problems in cyber is lack of skill talent. And that's something that we should focus on. And well, the, the intention was clean, the, the concept was good, and then it was all about like, how do, we, how do we solve that problem? And then we felt like, you know what, to solve that problem, why don't we take uh, advancements in AI and build a cognitive system that could reason and respond just like a defender and then have the system learn from the best of the best defenders in different roles and then democratize that skill and make it available to the masses. And that's how, that's how pretty much Kara was born. Yeah. Um, I love that part of it. I mean, having built multiple socks at, you know, many global organizations, you know, your, your, your senior analysts have so much talent and are creative, but then they get pulled into these very mundane tasks and the morale just like drops really quick. And you have, you know, junior analysts who are really eager, want to learn more, require a lot of mentoring, but yet we task our senior people with like these really complex thing. And at the same time, they're over there training the junior folks, they're writing new playbooks. Every time they come up with a new tool or, you know, they got to write a new document for it, you know, and, and it just becomes like so much. And, and that's not even talking about false positive rates and alert fatigue. Right. fatigue. Like that's just day-to-day interacting with their peers. You know, how are you helping solve, you know, some of that problem? Yeah, you actually pretty much nailed it at the head, right? I mean, the the senior guys, instead of doing um, uh, extensive investigation or out-of-the-box investigation or something something different, right, not, not day-to-day operations, they're spending cycles training uh, these junior analysts. And well, in some cases, they don't even have time. I mean, they, they, they basically are, are so much overwhelmed with... Um, protecting an organization either either on the proactive side or the reactive side of the house, like they are running out of bandwidth. Um, they them, themselves are burnt out, uh, and that that's where the junior analysts are struggling. And they are struggling, and junior and some, in some of the cases, junior analysts are trying to do their best, but uh, unfortunately, they are just like uh, they're just missing out and making mistakes. And uh, those mistakes are not visible until you actually get breached or compromised. Then those visible then those things that they, they started doing become visible. So I think, yeah, that's exactly what, what the intention was, is how can you offload, um, how can you offload uh, the work uh, that these analysts do, or how can you capture the intelligence that these analysts possess uh, and basically make it available for masses. And, and a lot of them is uh, the defining policies, they're defining these playbooks and runbooks of how to handle different situations, right? And, um, and I think that's where the machines uh, uh, are extremely useful, right? Because once you have defined certain flows and even if there are caveats in the flows, your system is actually observing these caveats. So basically she's, she's trying to offload because you're, you're not, you don't have to worry about documenting stuff, which is typically the case that they do. And we said, you know what, just like continue to do your work the way you would do. And the system is gonna observe you how you do different situations. So. You're not tasked with another overhead to now start writing additional playbooks or runbooks, even for your junior analysts, right? Or, or for your junior analysts to read. I mean, how much how much literature are they going to read? And even if they read, let's say, thousands and thousands of pages of literature, which is obviously changing over the course of time, how much of will they remember it, right? So they, they need some. They, they need a system that can 
that can assist them, that can guide them in pretty much real time for a situation that might have been there in the past or completely new situation, which you need to use your own cognitive ability to figure out, okay, what do you do next? So that that's that's the sort of a direction we, we took when we were when we were designing Cara. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A, a good friend of both of ours, Craig Williams, yeah. you know, is uh, you know, CIO over at Siena, and uh, he used to talk about delivering services like they were air, right? Yeah. It has to be there. You don't see him, you don't feel him. it, just happens, right? And mm-hmm. so I feel like Kara is in a really strong position to just do that, you know, alleviate all the friction in the sock, like just enable people to just start to do more, uh, more seamlessly, as opposed to just the friction that gets created in a lot of the processes. Um, yeah. You know, are you, you know, what kind of feedback are you guys getting from the CISO community um, around how, you know, this type of innovative disruptive technology is helping? Yeah, I think initially when we when we were uh, so before before we sort of officially started, we were like sort of pitching this concept to CISOs, and I think we pitched it <laughs> pitched it to you as well, and to Craig and to a lot of other CIOs and CISOs. And one one thing that they that they all cautioned us is you're working on an AI based technology which is very forward looking, uh, and most of the time what you what you hear with AI based technologies it's not a complementary play, it's the replacement play, and that's what they said. Can I like you will get you will get bombarded with that question. Is it a replacement play? Is it a complementary play? And you have to be very clear with what, whatever you, whatever you want to say, and you have to back it up. And we always said it, it's never, it's never a replacement play. Right. Um, and, and the fact was like, I mean, anyway, there are three and a half million, four million jobs, right. And cyber that have to be filled. Um, and what's the point of doing a replacement when actually you can complement people and the, and the way that we had to, it's not just about what you say is like, can the product, is the product like standing by what you say? And we said, yeah, absolutely. See, look at, look at what Kara tells you, right? I mean, she brings knowledge to the table. She's not hiding the fact of uh, how she's processing information. She's exposing all the learnings across defenders to your analysts, right? So if we had to do a replacement play, we'll never expose knowledge. We will never enhance your skill, right? We will never train them on, on situations. Uh, it will basically make it a black box system, just like how detection products work. They're pretty much a black box system and you don't know how really they detect it, right? I mean, there are a lot of AI-based detection companies and stuff like that. Everyone says we do AI for detection, right? Okay, well, like what exactly is your AI, right? Why don't you expose your AI and show what it does rather than saying it's a black box system and this is, yeah, true or true or not, right? So we went the complete opposite route. Um, I mean, we to an extent that we can even like, uh, enable debug mode in our product and have it have it turned down. Like I mean, in our demos, like especially, uh, I, I do enable debug mode all the time. So during POCs, the customers can see what's going on. During my demos, they can see what's going on. So we pretty pretty much don't uh, don't hide our AI. We completely expose and uh, and the most important aspect, right? Uh, it's always to empower practitioners, and you can't empower practitioners if you are hiding how you are coming to a certain decision. Uh, if you're hiding knowledge away from them. If you're hiding learnings from them, right? Um, so yeah, so yeah, CISOs loved it. Your point was like, what's, what's what was the reaction when we actually uh, came out in the market, uh, either pre-GA or, or post-GA? I mean, CISOs looked at it and they, they really enjoyed. Uh, they loved the product, uh, and they and this they, they saw that we stood by what our initial claim was, right? That it will empower people, it will complement your workforce. It's not there to replace people. Yeah, I mean, I think we build teams, you know, for the long run and we want to find ways to train them and make them better. 
but there's such pressure for them, these teams to perform like right out of the gate. You know, it's so hard for them to come in. You these, you know, these you're blending all these different skill sets, all these different backgrounds, all these different personalities. You're trying to build a culture, you're deploying technology, like all this stuff is happening all at the same time. And it's like, we've got to know and be on the same page day one. And it's almost, it's pretty much impossible to do, you know? And I feel like this helps bridge a lot of those gaps. And, and I think the transparency of it is really, really cool. Uh, Cause otherwise, you know, no one's going to trust it. So um, I, I applaud you guys for, for that work. So I'd love to get, before we wrap up this segment, man, I just want to get a little bit more about your background. I find you have a very interesting background and, you know, the AI side of it is always, you know, different for folks, right? It's not something they, they really, you know, dive into too deep. Just tell me a little bit more about your journey and kind of what brought you to Strike Ready. Yeah, I have a, I've had a very diverse uh, journey in, in cyber. Um, I started my I started my career in, uh, in sort of role-based access control and sort of GRC audit audit space. Uh, was an early early stage company uh, right out of grad school and uh, the company did really well. Got acquired by some microsystems and then I think when Oracle acquired them, the product came out to be Oracle Identity Manager. So that was more on the identity space that I dabbled in. And then from there on, um, I moved to a very early, uh, not a sort of early state. I think I was 70th employee or something like that at Encircle. It was in the one-week management space back in 2006. So that gave me sort of more exposure into the governance compliance side of the house. And then from there on, I moved into uh, Cisco. And the role at Cisco was very interesting, um, even though Cisco was a hardware company in 2008, but we were working on software stack. We were like virtualizing applications, virtualizing, uh, well, applications from, from Cisco itself, right? Um, running virtualized operating system inside routing chassis, uh, virtualizing iOS, different aspects, security and stuff like that. So that sort of was a foray into a lot of uh, very cutting edge work. I mean, we're working on, I was working on containers back in 2008 and you can see now the containers are like taken massive right. Uh, adoption, right? Uh, and then move to fire, right? That's what, that's where I went very deep into the kill chains and an understanding of uh, how these nation state actors play and what are these zero days and how you actually go about detecting, identifying them uh, at scale and speed, which is which is what fire was doing and, and making a name up for itself pre-IPO. Uh, from there, I sort of started dabbling into then um, back in 2013, 2014, this ML wave, the machine learning wave kicked in um, and was used for detection, right? How can you do uh, detection at, at scale, identify anomalies, stitch anomalies into threats um, and alerts and stuff like that. So that's 2014 actually was my, my introduction uh, to machine learning. Uh, and then from there on, I sort of got, got acquired by Splunk, stayed in Splunk. And then... Uh, there were a couple of uh, investments that Splunk was doing on the NLP side. And so I started dabbling into the NLP front uh, myself um, and stayed in Splunk. And then oh, after, after that, I sort of was part of a very early team in NLP. So from there on, like I think 20, 2014 on, onwards, just interest uh, of mine towards machine learning. Uh, and then over the course of time, NLP just like, just kept building on it. And then yeah, when we were starting Strike Ready, I had like almost like seven, eight years of, of uh, ML NLP experience that we said, you know what, I think I can, we can use that power. The stack has matured a lot um, from when I started to when where we were, uh, that we could actually uh, use it more very effectively to build this technology out. 
Yeah, super cool, brother. Um, all right, well, hey, we got to take a commercial break. But hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, searching at TF7 Radio. And you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause some quick messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Chief Product Officer of Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Chief Product Officer Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. All right, man. So, you know, Kara is a pretty cool concept. Um, can you dive in a little bit more about what a digital assistant really is in the context of Kara? Yeah. So actually, Kara has Kara has uh, two parts to it. Uh, one is uh, the digital assistant part, where basically you're on a you're you're pretty much so actually um so it's basically a two parts the nlp part and there's the intelligence part right uh so the nlp part is where uh you feel you're sort of interacting with this digital assistant you're on an interface and 
is basically how you're conversing with it, right? I mean, and, and this was designed basically for, for uh, overseeing how the next-gen workforce of millennials will kick in, right? They're used to texting and voice memos and stuff like that. And we said, yeah, that's how they would interact with um, any, any next-gen product, whether it be on the consumer side, whether it be on the tech side. So if they're on the cyber, then yeah, the next-gen enterprise software should be conversational itself. So they, they jump on an interface. Um, today, it's, 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 our, it's our UI, but it can be anything. It can, they can be on Teams, they can be on Slack, uh, they can be on any channel as long as uh, Kara is listening on that channel, they can start conversing with it. Uh, very naturally, it's not like any commands that they have to type in and stuff like that. They just like are speaking very naturally of how they would to any other defender. And that's how they have to treat Kara. She's like just another defender, uh, which is part of your team. And you converse with her and then she'll she'll do what she's supposed to do. And based on a level of comfort, just like how we say, right, in Tesla, the level, level of comfort will decide what you want to do, whether you want to drive the car with a you want to summon the car where the car drives on its own, comes to you, or you just want to sit in the car and then let the car take over, right, on, on surface and freeways. So exactly the same way Kara operates. You decide a level of comfort with an AI-based product. If you're forward-leaning, you go a lot more autonomous mode. If you're not, you, you go partial autonomous mode and stuff like that. Uh, and then you converse. And the second aspect to Kara is intelligence. And this is where, like, let's say you don't want to go onto the a conversational side, which is extremely fast uh, for you to operate and context switch. And if you want to go on the traditional UI, which is let's say, the current gen workforce, right? Um, that's where also Kara's intelligence would kick in to guide you about uh, what's the best possible way to handle a certain task or a situation. So that's these are two modes or aspects of or flavors of how you can operate Kara and leverage Kara. Yeah, the, the thing I love about the idea, like one, the form factor, right? Like that's just how everyone operates. But I think the other thing that is it solves in my opinion is it, it makes the sock available like like Kara makes the sock available to others outside of security like if i'm in marketing or if i'm in communications and i need right. to understand about a certain threat topic and i need to get smart instead of going to google you know or listening to, you know going on a blog right i could go to Kara Kara's already researching all that for you and now i can ask talk to Kara and go hey what do we know about Conti or whatever, like, you know, you can pick, yeah. pick the threat and it makes it available. So I, I love that it helps bridge the gap, at least from my perspective, between SOX and other, other key stakeholders. Like, what are you kind of, what are you hearing? How is that helping? Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's where, that's where uh, Kara becomes extremely useful for the, for the SOC team. Um, but they would get bombarded with, okay, it's not less about knowledge, right? Okay, what is the APD? What is the ransomware? Like, and stuff like that, right? I mean, these basic questions, um, if you have um, whatever team you belong to, HR, legal, uh, engineering, uh, sales, et cetera, et cetera, right? Instead of offloading your SOC team with these questions or, or going into Google for these answers, right? Uh, you can you can get Kara to help you with that. And in certain situations, you can go a little further, right? You may receive emails and uh, you might have gone through phishing training and stuff like that, which is very common. But you're looking at this email and you sort of are seeing, you know, it looks a little odd to me. I've gone through this training and now you're again sending this email to SOC. Like, do I click on this? Do I not click on this, right? And SOC is not going to like, it, it becomes an it's an alert and they have to like investigate and, and respond back. Um, 
But in that situation too, I mean, just forward the email to Karen. She'll tell you why. Yeah, this email is good. It's clean for you to move forward, or this email is actually not clean, and you'll get a notification. She'll just force that email out of your inbox, right? Uh, whatever your policies have been uh, defined as. So it it helps. It helps offload a lot of work that uh, uh, a lot of unnecessary work that is going towards the sock side of the house um, and can be handled by this, by the by Karen itself. How long did it take? you know, how long does it take to kind of onboard a new skill and get the system smart enough for people to feel comfortable, you know, that it's, it's, it's in place, it's mature enough. Like, obviously it's going to vary skill by skill, but like what, what, what's that typical kind of time frame look like? It's, it's usually a matter of weeks. Uh, it's, it's, so it, it depends on if the skill is a new skill within a domain uh, in which Kara has been trained. So for example, let's say we have to train Kara on certain domains, right? So we'll train her on network security. Then in, within network security, there is a different aspects, right? I mean, are you training her on DLP? Are you are you training her on uh, cloud-based DLP, which is like sort of GASB product, right? Are you training her on firewalls? Uh, are you training her on sandboxes? Are you training her on IPS products? Or are you, so you you basically train her on a on a domain. And if there are some scales within a domain, they're very quick uh, for us to introduce and train Kara, right? Uh, versus training her on new domains. So if it's an if it's a skill within a domain, it's fairly quick. If it's a completely new domain, let's say uh, we, we let's say we have to start training Kara on, on governance side of the house, right? That's one of the things, or on on risk side of the house or compliance. So these these are maybe uh, about a quarter or so for her to get trained and then uh, get to a level of um, automation assistance guidance, uh, which is which can significantly improve your ROI uh, before we release it. But yeah, it matters. It matters from a few days to a weeks to to up to a quarter, just depending on on what you're trying to do. Yeah, cool. So you know, I've, I've actually had a few folks recently ask me around uh, like, what do, what do I view threat management to be? And it's come up now in probably three different conversations in the last like two weeks. And I love, I'm going to ask the same thing to you. <laughs> what, what, what is threat management to you, you know, in the context of, of strike ready? Yeah. So it's, uh, I would say it's a fairly, it's a fairly uh, complex uh, function in, in cyber, right? I would say threat management is overall making sure from a response perspective, you are as secure as possible in an organization. And if I have to go a little deeper on the technical side, I would say threat management involves around threat modeling. Um, are there systems in your organization which can threat model your, your overall posture? Um, right. Um, that means, can you really understand like what's going on? Like, you have do you have a centralized view of exactly what's going on in, at a very granular level, right? Not like okay, I'm receiving these alerts and blah blah blah. Like, but you're going very granular of who's coming after you, why they're coming after you, what they're going after, how much they are successful uh, from an internal perspective as well as from an external perspective of who can come after you, why would they come after you, and what would they go for? If you can blend that information together, I would say that is. And um, that is what threat threat management would overall mean. And then you would know uh, how how to take about next steps of uh, applying countermeasures or mitigations and stuff like that. So, uh, cool. So, where do you guys fit in the next gen SOAR conversation? Yeah, that's <laughs> that that comes up a lot of time. I mean. Uh, SOAR had had to emerge. I mean, if you had, if you think about it, right? I mean, there were a lot of claims that early SIMs had made, and 
they never stood up to those claims. Um, and then there was a new wave of technology that, that came together. And that, the messaging was very similar. They were going after um, defenders and making sure like you can uh, automate or repeatable tasks, which is, which is, which is what a great idea. But then we saw that the adoption was not uh, up to the standard of what we were expecting, right? And, and the reason was very straightforward. Uh, the reason was that for that technology to operate, you required a lot of skill, right? And you were solving a skill problem, right? With automation, you were saying, well, you can, you can do automation, we can solve that problem, that overload that you struggle with. But yeah, how would you solve that overload problem when you don't even have that skill to do that? And if, if you're trying to solve it without skill, your playbooks and run books are not going to be correct, right? They will be wrong. So uh, in our technology, that comes that comes all the time because it, it's an automation play as well, right? I mean, Cara is all about automation uh, in addition to knowledge and skill enhancement. Um, but our approach to uh, our approach to automation is very different. I mean. Now you will you'll start hearing about the next gen automation, which is low code and low code and stuff like that. Like you drag and drop systems and stuff like that. You still need to know the skill and you need to understand what to drag and drop. And we said, you know what? There is no playbooks. There's no run books. There's no drag and drop. So let let the system do things on its own. Figure out what it has to do uh, because it's learning in real time and it's exposing that information. and And that's that's how we went and approached approached this. Uh, uh, this orchestration automation uh, uh, problem. Yeah, it's such a it's such a big one, right? There's so many systems that need to be integrated, but then yeah. it also requires knowledge about all those different technologies, and it requires partnership with all the other teams that manage those technologies around the company, right? That's true. And yeah. so the time it takes to just get the relationships built, the integrations and the connections built, making sure the data is normalized, like you got everything working, like it could take forever, you know? So I love that you guys are kind of looking at it a little bit differently because, you know, traditional, you know, the traditional approach is just taking too long. We, we are no longer have the luxury of um, uh, taking that kind of time. Like everybody, you know, boards are way more cyber aware. They're me- measuring risk. Now there's uh, just so much demand and pressure on it. So like anything we can do to speed it all up is saving money, saving time, saving on the burnout, like it's a big deal. So, um, well, hey man, we, we need to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away folks. We'll be right back with more from Chief Product Officer at Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. 
In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Chief Product Officer of Strike Ready, Anurag Gertu. So, I mean, we were chatting at the break a little bit about, you know, fusion centers and kind of Kara sitting at the center of almost like a fusion center in a, as a, in a box, you know, kind right. of thing. Um, you know, when I think about fusion centers, you know, I think about all the disparate teams and skills and um, team members that have to come together to, you know, affect the mission. And, you know, how does Kara kind of, learn all the skills of those different domains like there's a lot of different types so what which ones did you guys focus on yeah i think it's uh, the fusion center in a box is a is a great articulation and, and that's exactly what what our thought process was uh, when we were building this this product right i mean fusion center is basically people process and products working together in, in harmony right and there are a lot of products and features and tool sets that are that are part of the fusion center and like I said, right? I mean, Kara has, has two different aspects to it. One is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a digital assistant and it can help you with skills, but for these skills to operate, uh, they require a lot of tools and products and features and capabilities, right? That have to come along. So yeah, that's exactly how how, how we have to uh, train Kara. I mean, first is we have to identify which specific domain we are we are looking at. And then uh, within that domain, we, we speak about uh, a specific persona embodiment of a person of a Kara. So if it's a SOC, let, let's say we, we are working on the SOC side of the house, right? So we're going to train her uh, on SOC skills, which are tier one, tier two SOC, or it can be an incident responder. And that will involve a lot of tools. I mean, that can involve capabilities like safe browsing and sandbox analysis. That can involve um, understanding of alerts, right? And alerts from CASB, DLP, IDS, IPS, firewalls, EDR, EPP, you know, traditional AV, um, uh, other network security uh, products, right? Uh, and so on. Uh, and then we look at different domains, like maybe, maybe we want to go into uh, another domain that we have to train Kara on. And all these, uh, all these are available, right? Now we are maybe training her on the vulnerability management side of the house. And now 
it goes further deep into risk-based vulnerability prioritization. It might go into attack surface management, right? Um, then we start training Kara on threat intelligence side of the house. So you're, you're training her as a threat intel analyst. You're training her as a threat hunter uh, and so on. Then you're training her as a, as a red teamer and so on and stuff like that. So it just depends. It, it just depends. But there are a lot of different, um, there are a lot of different rules um, and domains that we have to, they have to train Kara on. Yeah, I mean, it, you're spot on around not just the skills, but all the technologies in each of those domains that all have to work together seamlessly that come, you know, and, and be integrated. Otherwise, it don't mean anything. Like if you can't pass data between any of them, you can't take action, you know, really quickly. Um, I, I'm curious, like, how are, you know, the teams that are deploying care, like, you know, their partnerships that they're creating with all the different engineering teams around the company, around the globe, to get the you know the connections and the automation, like how long is it taking companies to get this thing ramped up and, and kind of you know humming? It's fairly it's it's very quick. Uh, it took us two years to train Kara on different personas, right? IR, SOC, tier one, tier two, threat intel analyst, red team, or vulnerability management analyst, IT analyst, and so on. So we took a lot of time to train Kara, uh, and the reason we took a lot of time to train Kara is because we wanted the product to be fully functional the minute you. Uh, deploy it, right? And it's, it's a cloud-based technology. All we have to do is provision, provision our account and you basically start using the product. So there's no training involved uh, for an, within an organization uh, for it to um, uh, deliver ROI. I mean, it's instant. You connect, you start using the product and it starts, it's, it's fully operational the minute you connect. Uh, and then, yeah, there would be nuances that the system will start learning uh, within your own organization, because most of the times you won't go autonomous on day one. I mean, you you might say, you know what, I'm going to go autonomous day 15, day 30, day 60 or so, or so on, which is enough time uh, to go uh, and identify nuances. Um, but it's fully operational. Day one, the product is is designed to do what it's supposed to do. Cool. Is, is there a certain sector or, you know, or region of the world that's kind of been like early adopters, you know, in, in the AI-based digital assistant space? Like, Who's kind of jumping on board, you know, first? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say from a from a region perspective, I would say uh, Middle East uh, is uh, a lot forward leaning uh, 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 organization region that we have identified. But uh, in general, I would say um, it's financials, uh, insurance, high tech. Um, Manufacturing. I mean, it's, it's pretty much all organized. You can't say like yes, specifically uh, roll out and say only these horizontal organization or vertical industries would be relevant. It's pretty much a horizontal play uh, at this point in time. Um, even from region perspective, I would say it's like I mean, there's there's massive amount of traction in the US as well. Uh, but I would say like uh, yeah, we, we saw that uh, especially Middle East is uh, very forward leaning, uh, at least based on our experiences. Cool, man. So, so we started off the show with all your all the awards and the accolades that the you know the company's getting. Um, but what's the real focus around? Like, what, what's the hype been in terms of like you know where you guys are? What's the recognition you're really getting? Like, you know, because you're being a disruptive technology or solving a critical problem. Like, what's been the feedback and the driver behind the success there? I think I think the biggest driver behind the success is it's sort of a truly innovative product. Um, we, I mean, there, there definitely is some, you can hear of overlapping messaging that has been there about digital analysts and stuff like that. I mean, there are a lot of companies today too that, that say that, but when you actually look at the product, you it basically it's like black or white, right? I mean, are you really 
do you really have the technology or just like a marketing fluff that you have? And that's what we have seen. It's pretty much marketing fluff. But when we when we make that claim and when we show them the product, then that's where the, the rubber meets the road, right? You see the reality that yes, it is and it it really does what it's what it's supposed to do and what it claims to do. And I think that's that's basically the reason why um we have been receiving so many industry accolades because uh, there's no fluff, there's no fluff, there's no marketing uh up leveling. It's like it's truly I mean, it truly does what we actually say it does. Actually, we understate what it does on our website. Uh, so yeah, once you experience it, you actually see, right? You know what? It's like, uh, it's amazing. Very cool. So so give me some of the lessons learned, man, right out of the gate. You guys start the company, you know, as you get, you know, if you're, one day when this thing takes off and you're on your new venture, you, you know, what were some of the lessons learned? You're like, man, I, I wouldn't want to repeat that problem. Like, give me, give me some entrepreneurial tips for the folks out there looking to start up companies. Yeah, we we applied a lot of those entrepreneurial tips at this company too. We said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna not gonna start till the time we get massive amount of validation. And massive doesn't mean like you're getting thousands and thousands of folks, but we at least hit about a hundred uh, senior practitioners and and executives in the industry uh, when we were pitching this idea and just like validating. We had like uh, early prototypes uh, designed um, just to see whether what sort of uh, whether they're resonating, whether they're not resonating, and stuff like that, right? So uh, I would say, yeah, just um, just don't just don't start building a concept before you validate it with a lot of folks, and and try to validate with uh, with folks who are not just like your friends, because most of the times they won't shoot down your idea, right? I mean, they might be very polite and they might say slightly like, you know what, it doesn't make sense, but it will be very hard for, for you to decide for whether um, they are really telling you not to do it. Or, I mean, very few folks are very blunt and say, you know, this is like completely like junk and you should not move forward. But I would say validate from a lot of folks, even where you have relationships and where you don't have relationships, um, especially those folks should not have stake uh, in your company early on, because then you will sort of not get, you'll get sort of biased opinions then. Yeah, just validate, 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 and once you have reached the threshold, uh, just 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 take a leap and move forward. Then, cool. So, without giving away the secret sauce, or you know, the, what's what's next for Strike Ready? Yeah, there's some there's some massive uh, uh, updates coming to Kara's skill set uh, at RSA. So I'm pretty excited for <laughs> for showcasing those. Uh, but I would say from a from a vision perspective, uh, like I said, right? I mean, they are. Uh, most of our customers are asking us, you know what, let's let's move to broader domains. Let's go into governance. Let's go into risk. Let's go into compliance. A lot of IT-centric um, use cases are also emerging at this point uh, because sort of, you you know what, security and IT work very closely and hand-to-hand. Uh, so a lot of those use cases are, com- are coming. But the, the way the platform is designed, I mean, we can, uh, if you really want, we can switch over and move into a completely different domain outside of cyber if you want to or outside of IT. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a matter of time. Not today. Today, cyber is a focus. But over the course of time, architecturally, we could just like penetrate any any domain in, uh, if you want to. Very cool, man. Well, I'll be out at RSA, so I'll, I'll catch up with you while we're out there, man. Get to hear and see what you guys are up to, and uh, give the team my best. But I really appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure, Andy. Yeah, hope to see you at RSA and have safe travels. All right. Sounds good, brother. All right, folks, it's time for us to bounce up and out of here. Don't forget to visit aliveshoes.com slash brand slash TF7 to get your own pair of TF7 sneakers. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. 
Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.